0: Hi there, I'm Melissa, a registered dietitian specialized in intuitive eating for on-again, off-again chronic dieters, and I'm here to help you take the guilt and stress out of eating so you can be the first in your family to break the diet cycle. I'm interested in helping you unlearn generational diet trauma so you can be who you are without food guilt. Be sure to follow on Instagram at NoMoreGuilt for more support between these episodes. Are you ready? let's jump in. Nicole, we're here to tell your story. I'm so glad you could be on the podcast today. Before we jump in on all things intuitive eating and how you applied it, would you introduce yourself? Tell the audience a little bit about you.
1: Sure. Um, Thanks for having me, Melissa. My name is Nicole. I am a new mom. Um, I guess not really totally new. My son is 16 months old. So, just getting into the swing of things. Um, you can pick a and,
0: up; they're new to me. Like he's still pick upable. That's new he, enough. Yeah,
1: <laughs> he he doesn't believe that he's still a baby, but to me, he is. Yes. <laughs> I'm a speech pathologist. I recently opened a private practice, so I have a lot going on. So things are going well. I was married during pandemic, so lots of craziness in the past couple of years. It's yeah. been a it's been a busy few years for us.
0: Yeah. So lots going on. You're kind of in that season of your life where there's a lot of change. There's a lot of excitement. There's a lot of growth. I guess we might start there with why it felt like a good time to jump in on deepening your intuitive eating work. What way did you want to do the program when all that was going on, Nicole? Like that could have been a time to tell yourself, forget it, but you actually added more to your plate with this program. So tell me, why did you want to join the program and deepen IE? So, there were a
1: couple reasons. First, what I think really prompted me to want to explore other options besides dieting was just becoming a mom and realizing that some of the old thought patterns and behaviors that I had always used weren't really working for me anymore. And so, I also realized when obviously any moms or parents who are listening, can relate. When you have a child, your brain is just being pulled in every direction. And the last thing that I really had the time for was to be beating myself up about what I ate and didn't eat and exercise and all those things. So I was looking for a way to get more in touch with myself without having it be a constant battle. And I think starting to look into intuitive eating, it just sounded like something that could really um, support me in that journey. And also, like I said, all the the mind space that was being taken up by my new roles as a mom and trying to start a private practice. Um, I really just recognized how much time and energy goes into dieting and goes into all of those thought patterns that I'm like, you know what, I want to free up some time for things that actually make me feel good. So it was kind of a mental thing. And And also a physical thing of wanting to, wanting to respect and honor my body and try something different.
0: Rarely do people come into this as enrichment. (laughs) Most people come to this because (laughs) they're fed up. You don't want to experience racing thoughts and feeling held back in your life. And so it was definitely true for you. You were just kind of fed up with how much time this was taking. Exactly. Yeah. When did this all start for you? This worry about food and body image?
1: Oh, God. Um... I don't really ever remember not having those thoughts and those anxieties. I was never a skinny child. So I think even in childhood, I always kind of was aware of my body. I've always had different insecurities when it came to my size and my body and things like that. You know, if I really think back to the earliest thoughts of like dieting or just being hyper aware of my body, I can remember thinking like, Oh, I need to suck in my stomach. Like I need to make myself look smaller. And, you know, thinking of going to even like the swim club as a little girl and, you know, wearing a tankini instead of a bikini because I thought that my belly was too big. And so I can remember those things happening even at such a young age. And now if I saw a girl, a little girl that age, maybe eight or nine I wouldn't even, you know, you really don't even want to believe that they're already starting to have those thoughts. But I do think that that's when it kind of started for me. Thinking of TV shows at that time, like in the early mid '90s, the characters that were, I'm doing air quotes, but the characters that were fat, um, looked just like me. So you sort of get that messaging. All those magazines, those nasty magazines, and the stories that would be in there about celebrities who had gained weight, lost weight. It was just so much messaging I think for so long that you just start to absorb and believe it and I think that I first started dieting probably in at maybe 14 in ninth grade and I became really obsessive with it and so I think it was sort of a culmination of all the messaging and just little experiences and media and things like that that kind of came to a head once I entered high school and had more control over what I was going to eat and how I was going to move
0: itty bitty experience that start to add up and then high school is such uh, a such a complicated time you're you (laughs) want to be an adult like you're so you're excited to like act on your independence and that control and that freedom but your brain is not you're still a kid too and it's just it's such a jumbly jumbly time and I know we talked a lot about that in the program you sort of making peace with that time and reframing that time which was really beautiful
1: when you think back to that time and at that time you truly believed that you were an adult, like you, you know, at that time you really felt so old. And so like you understood things and now looking back, and seeing kids that age, like wow, I was actually a child. That yeah. those are children.
0: <laughs> I remember so, me and my friends would be like, once we turned eighteen, we're like, we're eighteen. Like I remember this, like we were talking about it all the time, how mature we were. And uh, when Facebook pops up those pictures from like, X- oh my people, gosh, I'm like, oh yeah, real mature, Melissa. That was yeah, so- really <laughs> mature. <laughs> we want to put those pictures in a file never to be seen again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> delete, delete, delete. Every time I get a Facebook memory, oh, it's like delete. <laughs> Nothing. <thanks. Yeah, laughs> but like at the time you don't have critical eye to say, "Wait a minute. Why are all the celebrities like looking the same, but when I look in real life, bodies are not like that? Why are these messages about fatness and you know, all the stereotypes that we hear, it, why do they exist? We don't have that in our head to even protect ourselves. And if the adults in our world aren't telling us actively, like, hey, this is bullshit. How are we? Right. supposed to know? it just seeps in, like you said.
1: And it's passed down. I mean, just even hearing, you know, friends, parents and other adults in life, everybody, you know, it was kind of a topic of conversation just in passing, like, oh, you know, I eat too much or that was some, how that was so bad. I need to do this. I need to do that. So it was always sort of just common to hear those kinds of conversations, even if, you know, it wasn't coming directly from me or other girls, my age, it was just there. And I could still remember, like, I don't know, what's it 20 years ago, the Jenny Craig commercials, like they were so catchy. It was like 95
0: Jenny. Oh <laughs> yeah. 1-800-95 like. It was like 95 in your 95. Every 95, year. Every year it like, changed. Like, exactly. you will never lose yeah. the number that way. You, you will.
1: And I remember it now. So, you know, so they got me with that, that one. Works. So, even as a little kid, just learning like the jingle to Jenny Craig, I mean,
0: it was old. I feel That's like the messaging kidding. just existed. Oh, my God. I'm dying that you even brought that up. It is kind of fun to remember old commercials. Yeah. We were just having a conversation about remember the one called Pure Mood? It was like all these different chill songs. If you don't remember, it's okay. But I can still remember the little snippets of the song. Of what song would with, come next. Like the 10 yeah. seconds of each song, like it was one song. The kids today do not have the commercial exposure. No, that they did. don't. It's kind of a loss, no?
1: Yeah, I think so too. They're missing out.
0: <laughs> we we're cool with the No Jenny Craig ones though. Look, I was in those waiting rooms with my mom. And so a difference in our lived experience is that I was never in a larger body. I was never labeled as fat. And so I think it does impact... You and me differently, that experience right. in our lives. This wasn't one of the questions we planned on, but is it okay to talk a little bit about that? Just thinking about how you and I both had that messaging on Jenny Craig. Diet culture definitely seeped into our minds, but your experience is a lot different than mine. Would you want to talk a little bit about that and how you see, you know, being in a bigger body, going through the world, navigating diet culture? How is that different than for, say, a thin woman or a smaller bodied woman?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, if I put it into perspective, I can only speak for myself and the size that I am. And I know that other people have had bigger struggles. So it's always kind of hard for me to mm-hmm. pinpoint my experience, because I know that I'm still in a straight sized body. I'm at the upper end. I don't know a lot of the girls are calling it mid-sized, And I think there's all these little ways of talking about fatness and making it making it your own. I think for me, the reason that it in Influenced me the way that it did was because a lot of times you would see the before and after. And in the before picture, the person would have a bigger stomach or whatever the case may be. And I would recognize some of those body parts in that before picture and i would think like oh if only i would have the discipline to do jenny craig or to do the program or to eat better then i wouldn't look like this and i could also have that ideal body when you're living in a larger body you you I mean, at least for me, I kind of take in those messages. They're personal for me, you know, whereas somebody who maybe never had those experiences or always was thinner, you know, you might still see the messaging, but it doesn't directly apply to you. And you don't relate to that person in the ad. The personalization of it was tough for me. The other thing, it's trendy to have a big butt and thicker thighs and a tiny waist. And, you know, to be that hourglass shape, it's trendy and and i would always think i'll never have that that will just never that's not my body it can be really disheartening for girls or anybody to hear this messaging and realize that that's actually not possible for you to achieve that ideal body it's really not it's not an option that can be upsetting and then you kind of you're like me and you 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 fall victim to that like diet culture and those kinds of things. You're gonna try your hardest to achieve that, and then it's just you know every time it doesn't end up happening, you take it as a personal failure because the ads were personal and you felt like if only you had the motivation and you did all the stuff that you're supposed to do, you would be in that body.
0: So. If you take the ads at face value. There's literally a label saying this body, you know, the before body is the the wrong or the quote bad body. And here's the steps to change it to the quote good or preferred body. Not knowing right now we know now you've gone through the work and you've been exposed Mm -hmm. to new messages. That testimonial probably lasted six months for that person. If that person did maintain the weight loss, very often folks report obsession with food, fear of weight gain that impacts their lives. And the people who didn't experience that, or likely moving within their set point weight range that wasn't really exactly. any, um outside of their genetic norm happening but the way we right. took that snapshot told a story to so many people that did real harm and does real damage for decades to so many people right. personalization is what makes it really hard yeah
1: mm-hmm. and just knowing or comparing the constant comparisons to i think i mean i think young people today have it worse than even people in our generation had it in terms of like social media and stuff. But just that constant comparison to other people, especially with social media, like even now as an adult, I'm 32 years old, and I still find myself falling into that comparison and seeing what other people are doing or what they look like or what they have and wanting to achieve those things. And it does take a lot of work to take a step back and think that's not really my priority right now, and that's not how am I going to live how am I living in my values or what I want as opposed to just constantly in search of a smaller body, which hasn't happened yet and probably won't happen. It's work. It's work yeah. to
0: What would you say about the work? So what I mean by that, you had started some stuff on your own. You were yeah. aware of some of the principles. What was it like for you to deep intuitive eating work through the program?
1: I am the kind of person who loves to learn. So if there's a topic that comes up that I'm really interested in, or something that I think will improve life for me personally, or professionally, I'm going to dive in. So I really had already kind of started the process before joining the group, like you said, and I started with, curating my social media, because I had noticed that the amount of time I was spending online and scrolling wasn't making me feel good at at all. So I'm like, you know what, I need to start finding people to fill my feed that look like me that have similar experiences to me or who look different than me, but they're going to teach me something or offer me something that is value started there. And that's when the intuitive eating messaging started to Show up for me on my social media, so I'm like, yeah, it sounds interesting. I had never really even, I mean, I had heard of it, but I had never gave it a second thought. And then I started to look more into it, and I'm like, you know what? I have actually gotten so far away from listening to my body and to connecting with those cues. I don't even know what it feels like to be hungry or full. The basic cues are something that I'm not even sure that I could could notice or describe. I'm like, this is interesting. How can I get back in touch with just the natural way that I, my body wants me to feel it. And so I started to do the work on my own, but then joining the group was really nice for me because I'm the kind of person that likes to learn from other people too. It was nice to hear other people's stories and get to share mine and get feedback and just feel like, you know, you're not alone in the journey because it can be really difficult if you do feel like you're the only one who is putting in that work that has these struggles with body image. You know, if you're surrounded by people who really aren't in that same space, it can be lonely. I would get myself worked up about something related to body image. You know, I'd be having a bad body image day and I could see the way that it affected everybody around me, whether it's me not wanting to go somewhere anymore, me not being in a pleasant mood, all of those things. Are affected or were affected by the way that I was feeling about my body. So I thought, you know, I need to invest in myself. And I remember talking to my husband and a couple of my girlfriends, and I'm just like, you know what, after all the things I've tried, I this is something different and something that could really help me for a long time and something that could not only, you know, help me with one aspect of my life, but could really affect my confidence, my self-esteem, and the way that I raise my kids too, with different messaging than I received as a child. So that was always kind of a push for me too. You know, I have a son and we know that boys don't get all that theme messaging about their looks being the most important thing. Um, But I still want to raise my son to listen to his body and respect it and set boundaries and also to respect everybody around him too, you know, to not not be the kind of, (laughs) to not be the kind of guy who thinks he can point out other people's flaws or make nasty comments about other people's bodies. And that's just, you know, that's not the way that we, my husband and I want to raise our son. And so for me, it was kind of like, I can't continue to talk so badly about my own body if I want my children to have a different experience
0: we had Aaron Flores who is a male registered dietitian who talks about body image on a couple seasons back and we talked about how yeah like boys aren't targeted as much but they they're still body norms that disconnect them from their bodies we probably don't know the prevalence of disordered eating in men because it's not that right. there there aren't even support communities for men so that's one thing that i think you're absolutely right about we do need to prevent this for men and one of the biggest things people worry about when they're pursuing intuitive eating is like, will I be attractive to my partner? Will I be able to date? Because fat phobia is real in that world. So assuming this is a hetero relationship between men and women, yeah, that's something else that men can do to support women and support all of us in not being stuck in this. I just think that's such a great parenting philosophy that you have. Um, We don't want to overlook our boys. You bringing that up kind of reminds
1: me of years ago when I was doing like online dating, um, which I know is so common in, in, you know, people in their 20s and 30s and beyond. I remember being very self-conscious from the experience of online dating because you really are putting your looks out there first. And I always had that underlying thought of like, what if I show up to the date and they thought that I was going to be skinny and I'm not skinny where what if they thought I was going to look a certain way and I don't look that way. So I think putting all that emphasis on looks for me for online dating took me back a few steps because I think at that time I was feeling okay about myself, but then that sort of um, like system of having to lead with your picture and lead with um, the way that you look was hard for me because then what would happen was, you know, I'm sure a lot of people can relate you with online dating. It's like you go on a first date and then a lot of times that's it. You don't hear from them again. And so every time that would happen, I would subconsciously say, well, you know what? It's probably because of the way that you look or the size that you are. And so I I was beating myself up for things that may or may not have even been the truth. But I think that experience of online dating and meeting people in that way really did a number on my self-esteem because I was left to fill in the blank of why the person didn't call again um, and why the person didn't want to pursue a relationship. And, you know, it's funny because it's never like my first thought was never like, oh, well, maybe I was just, maybe we just didn't connect or maybe, he thought I was weird, you know, it was always like, Oh, well, it must've been my body then, you know? Yeah. So I think all of that messaging, it, it shows up in every like season of life one way or another. So until you're ready to really address it and work on it, it's just going to keep showing up in a different, in a different costume, like in a different way, it's going to be there. If you're not ready to kind of break the cycle and you just keep continuing, it'll show up in some way or another, and it will really wreak havoc on your relationships and the way you feel about yourself, which is for me, something that I just could not do anymore. I'm like, I can't be waking up every morning and just saying like thinking and saying the most, you know, harmful things about myself. Like that's not a way to live. Yeah.
0: So many people say they wish they had started sooner. Once they get the relief of intuitive eating, your point is a good one. Like, sometimes you're not ready. Sometimes it's too scary. Sometimes it's, it's not the right time. And if that is someone listening right now, I just want to invite you to take bits and pieces of intuitive eating, because this is not an all or nothing experience. So often we think, well, I'm not going to do intuitive eating until after I find my partner. And I know that that we're cool. And then I can let yeah. my body change. Like that's a thing, right? That yeah, or I won't do intuitive eating until I lose x pounds first. That's another common thing. Or I won't do intuitive eating until there's all or I get married, whatever that that roadblock is. And so they do nothing. And these thoughts go unchecked entirely. Maybe you wouldn't have been an intuitive eater back when you were dating. But what if you had introduced that thought of like, yeah, my body maybe was one factor, but maybe also it wasn't a match. Maybe not everyone's for me. Maybe I don't need to be liked by everyone. Maybe maybe one aspect of my life. And that's where you mentioned values a moment ago. And I think that was your greatest strength in the program. Whenever you got stuck, I could see your brain working quickly to be like, no, no, no. What's the most important thing? You're incredibly like, you're a problem solver. You get things done, Nicole. So that it was cool to see that side of you work better for you when you could be more value driven versus uh, beholden to the thin ideal or dieting messages that you heard.
1: It's true because as a speech therapist, like I'm always looking for ways that can improve their, their journey and improve their life in general. And I'm always putting in the work to do that. So it was interesting to be on the receiving end, and then doing that same work, but for my own benefit and for my own journey and kind of turning it back on myself and putting in that same work that I put in for other people into my own, my own self. You reminded me of this quote that a friend of mine told me years ago. And it's like, the first thought you have is what you're, what you've been taught to believe or conditioned to believe. And then the second thought you have is what you actually think and believe like I would say to the people listening who haven't started the journey or who aren't sure if they're ready I still have those first thoughts like I still wake up and think oh my god that's it like I'm done with the intuitive eating I'm dieting today I'm I'm downloading whatever like app of the day it is and I'm done with this and I might have that thought but then it's like a minute or two later the real me is like okay I get it <laughs> You're having a moment, but let's think about, does that actually make sense for you? Is that really something that you want to do? Or are you just having um, a moment? And usually it's that I'm just having a rough time and I can use other tools that I've learned in the process to kind of relax. And a lot of times it comes from other stressors or other issues that are going on. And then I kind of just end up taking it out on my body or the way that I look realizing that you're not gonna be immune to wanting to diet or lose weight forever it's not going to be something you never ever think about I still think about it and I still do battle that sometimes even as somebody who's really working on this stuff it's but I think the comforting thing for me is that I don't have to hide that I'm having those thoughts I can be like wow, I'm really thinking about dieting today or like cutting carbs or something that I really know that I don't want to do and don't need to do. Um, And I can be like, that's really, you know, that's something I'm experiencing. And I wonder why, and I can be more curious about why that's happening as opposed to just taking that first thought that I have at, at its face value and just acting on it, which is what I think I've done repeatedly and never gotten the result that I had hoped for. So I do think, You know, if there's people out there who aren't sure if it'll work for them, it's a process. And you always said that to Melissa, that it's not something you're just going to be perfect at. And for those of us who are perfectionists, that's not, (laughs) well, we don't like to hear that. So that's And I always told
0: you (laughs) takes one to know one. So (laughs) my program is very much designed with that in mind. And you're right that this is, it can be um, painful feels like a, a strong word, but it can feel uncomfortable learning this in the beginning, one thing I noticed with you is that because of what you just described, which is the ability to say, oh, I'm having these thoughts. It's okay. I have other tools for this. It's certainly not comfortable, but I can get through this. You're dropping the shame, you're dropping the guilt, and you're making yourself more likely to be curious, like you said. What wound up happening with you is that curiosity caused you to try something different. Sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. And from that experience, you would then have more clarity about what to do next time. So we started our program, it's been almost three months. Mm -hmm. So what we know with clients is that first three months is probably the most rigorous because you're, you're doing a lot of experiments and many of them fail. Many of them don't work like you hope. But having the support to debrief that and figure out the next step means that you get some good experiences too that then propel you. And I think that's, I'm hoping that's what's up ahead for you is that you get faster and stronger. Even if these thoughts persist, they're not going to hold you back anymore.
1: Yeah, for sure. And you don't go back to square one, even if you have a rough day uh, or a rough week or month, like you don't end up you don't have to end up back where you started you you still have something a cushion to land on from the things that you've worked on and the things that have resonated and there were times in the group where other people would share their experiences and I would think like I've never even thought of that you know like people talking about what can, what can I add to my meal to make it more satisfying and make me feel you know fuller and better and just more you know happy with the way that I'm eating. I'm like, I've never even considered adding to a meal as opposed to, you know, the normal thought that's like, or not normal, but you know, the thought that's kind of pushed that's like, well, what can I completely cut and take away to make this meal fit my diet? Um, And so little skills like that, that came up with the other um, people in the group were really nice to just hear because it does give you a different outlook and perspective on ways that you can learn to respect your body like I won't say we're at loving our body yet um I don't know if we ever will be there That's okay. uh, but we're 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 not at the we're not at hating our body mm-hmm. so we're we're somewhere we're not you know, <laughs> we're somewhere all right <laughs> we're somewhere on the spectrum but we're not yeah. we're not at one end or the other we're somewhere in the middle um which is all you can kind of hope for I think with the journey because it is something you have to work on and it's nice to be the one who's learning these things, because now I can have a different dynamic in other relationships as well. Like, and I know I've talked about it with my friends, I've kind of told them, you know, I'm really working on my body image. And so I'm no longer going to, you know, at least I'm going to try to no longer make self deprecating comments about my size or my body. And I'm going to work on trying to be more um, neutral about my body and those kinds of things and explaining to the friends that I've had for years and years, why this was important, and why I'm doing it. What really surprised me was a lot of my friends were experiencing similar body image issues, no matter what they look like. Even my friends who I would view as having, you know, no reason to have those issues. So you really don't know what issues people have, and you can be any size and struggle with your body image. Um, you know, being able to talk with other women about these experiences we've lived through and how we can kind of change them. We were at a a wedding. I will share this even though I don't know if my friends will listen to this or not. I'm sure they will. But um, we were at a wedding and um, this is after we had all kind of decided we're not going to talk badly about our bodies anymore. Um, And Another friend came over, and she she wasn't in that original conversation. And yeah. she said something something that we all say, something that we would all have said a week before, but it just so happens we were freshly decided not to we do evolved, that anymore. We? <laughs> we were evolved, so evolved. <laughs> um, and she said something like, "Oh, like I feel so whatever." Fill in the blank. Like I feel so whatever it was. And another friend of mine was like, "Um, we actually don't say that anymore." Um, so we're working on like being neutral or respecting our bodies. Like, you That's know, like article. And so she was just like, what do you mean? And then we all were talking about it again. And I'm like, we're actually talking about this at a wedding after God only knows how long we've been <laughs> at it. <laughs> so it's, you know, it just shows you that sometimes opening up to the friends and people around you can actually be helpful and they will understand. They will they will relate and and they'll be able to kind of support you on your journey. And she was like, oh, tell me more. I want to know more about this. So it is kind of an exciting, when you hear there's a way out, um, you're
0: like, um, oh, please <laughs> tell me, share. <laughs> sure. You are setting a norm when you do that. You're setting a norm, like, and it, this is a form of really strong boundary setting, I think sometimes when people think about boundaries, it's like, hello, I would like you to stop doing this behavior. And if you do (laughs) this behavior, I will never speak to you again. That is how we think about behaviors being rigid, punitive, fixed. But sometimes boundaries can be imagining an ideal condition or imagining a culture that you want in your life and leading into that, speaking that, helping people to behave that way. Of course, there are always exceptions where people are unwilling, harmful. That's not what we're talking about. If you've got people in your life who say, oh, yeah, me too. And you're healed. You're not suffering so much. You have more bandwidth to be that role model. And you are exactly the kind of client I was hoping to attract because that's exactly why I built this program, why this this is called Diet Cycle Podcast. I think we have so much power if we want to first start with us and then get curious about how we can lift other people up who aren't there yet because we're early adopters. This is not the status quo yet. We have to be the ones if we want it to stop. So, woof. Years. Yeah. Yep. And it's. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I love that you did that with your friends. And I hope I'm glad it was fun and, and like open that conversation.
1: Yeah. And you know, it's not like you can never, we still have our moments of complaining sure. about ourselves or call, you know, we're, we all have a bad day, but now that we've kind of set the tone of like, well, this is what we're working towards. Um, We can kind of help each other in the journey, as opposed to adding fuel to the fire, because, you know, whereas before it might've been like, oh, I'm feeling so bad. And, you know, everyone might be like, all right, well, let's, we're all going to start a diet on Monday and we're all going to cut this and do that and X, Y, and Z. And now it's like, that's not our first thought. So that to me is a win. It's like, even if we still have these um underlying challenges and stuff it's like our first reaction isn't to like okay how can we restrict and take away and punish ourselves it's like oh the, yeah you're having it. a yeah you're having a bad day I get it like I had a bad day this week too and what helped me was journaling or taking everyone always says taking a walk but full disclosure I hate not absolutely hate. Hate walking I'm not a, I'm not a hot girl okay. walk girl, That's girl. Just I'm not. not.
0: I'm not really a journaler
1: so <laughs> yeah it's so
0: each their own baby <laughs> each their
1: own and sometimes it's just scrolling TikTok for a few hours and just checking right? out yeah I mean who is to say what self care is and like I always brought up I we would always laugh because I would say this in every single group self-care is doing something for the current you that the future you will be pleased with or something that you've been putting off that will make your future self um make their life easier so it doesn't always have to feel like self-care sometimes for me it's like okay. responding to emails that I've put off like to me that's self-care because then at night I don't have to lay there panicking about the emails I didn't respond to so Very specific it can look, you don't have
0: to <laughs> you, just you know hypothetically like you know I don't know, maybe Doesn't that's, that that's, be a that's walk. right. <laughs> it's true. And that's important to say because like this is where like diet culture can sometimes sneak in. Like we learn the framework of intuitive eating, but our brainstorming snaps back to the solutions of diet culture. So there's so much evidence when you talk of how like when you said the first thought's the conditioned one, the second thought is like mm-hmm. me. Your second thoughts, the more you're sharing this is a lot of second thought sharing here in the podcast. It's it's <laughs> yeah. really broadened, it's really open, it's flexible. Mm-hmm. And I love that you practice your inner self-talk outwardly to the people in your life. That's just going to crystallize it even more um, as they get on board. And as you practice those words and those beliefs in in your life, that's, that's really, it's high integrity. It's authentic. It's real when you do it that way. Yeah.
1: And I know um, like authenticity for me is like one of the bigger values that I've always kind of come to. If I think about what I really value, it's like being authentic to myself and, and to my, you know, people that I care about and just doing things that I feel are right for me. So, and this, um, journey has really, you know, the, the tools that you learn with intuitive eating and in the, um, in the community, like you can apply them to other aspects of life too. Um, and I know you have other episodes about like money mindset and things like that. It really does kind of all relate to, um, the way that you view different areas of your life. And I feel that the tools that I learned through intuitive eating and through your program have really helped me to get a better sense of what I need to do and want to do in other aspects of my life that maybe I was, um, avoiding or, um, Doing too much in like spending. Um, if you're my husband, I'm just kidding. I actually don't spend any money. <laughs> uh, but for the rest of us, you know, like spending and it's starting things like that a real world confessional. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. If you're my husband, keep scrolling. If you're <laughs> anybody else, uh, you know, it does help you with those uh, those aspects of life too, which surprised me. I wasn't expecting to get those skills that could be applied to different um, aspects. I kind of thought it would all relate to body image, but it really does, like you said, it broadens the tools that you have and really helps you to just become more authentically you, like to be living how you want to live.
0: Totally. And the process we took, number one is I always support clients and focusing on what they want. That includes identification of value words. So for you, authenticity was one that came up. We do that so that it inspires you to kind of vet your choices against that value. Then we work mindset. And that's what you're talking about. The mindset work actually does help It does generalize a lot of different places. The curious tone is something that you can use anywhere. (laughs) Then we talk body awareness. That's something you can use anywhere. Our emotions are signals. They're not bad. They can be uncomfortable. They're not bad. That's another thing that can help you make sense of what you need and want. And then lastly, we talked about enjoying who you are. And ultimately, being authentic feels good. That means you're enjoying who you are. So (laughs) Yeah, you continue to work this process in so many ways. Yeah.
1: And like bringing up the space that was taken up by all those negative body sure. image thoughts and all of the work that it takes because diets are work. Like they're a lot of work mentally and physically. And so bringing up that space in your brain can really let you work on things that you, you know, goals and aspirations that you have. And you can see like all the different things that you actually are capable of once you're willing to kind of move away from beating yourself up about the way you look. Um, so that's been another thing for me. I feel like I'm getting, I've accomplished so much in such a short period of time because I'm not spending so much time just living in that negative space of wanting to change my body.
0: Yeah. Well, you're awesome. I mean, I'm excited for you because (laughs) this space breed in your life means who knows, like you don't know. That's the exciting thing. It's, it's going to keep showing up in new ways for you. So I'm just so glad that you took a chance on the program and, and you invested in yourself even before joining the program. And I think that's something I want clients to hear is like programs are, are catalysts often to help insights form more quickly. They're supports to help the journey, not be so lonely and and like white knuckle miserable. You are coming into these programs with more than you think. And that is something that many of my clients tell me is like, Melissa, you pointed out all these things I was doing well, and I didn't know you're coming into this more than you think. And I say that because many people put off support because they think that they are behind other people or they're just too broken. And it's just not true. You are an example of someone who had a lot of eggs in her basket and you organized them and you made it happen. And it's just exciting to see.
1: Yeah. And now I can be more present as a mom, as just a person. Um, as a professional, as a wife, like, I feel like my, my ability to just be present and there with my family and my friends has been, you know, such a positive that's come out of this whole experience to just be able to be here and accept where we are and where we're going and kind of be, um, more appreciative of myself and my body and what it's done for me. Um, that's all been just positive things that have happened as a result of this. And um, in, in addition to everything else we talked about, so it's been really, really nice. And I thank you because if it wasn't for you, a lot of this wouldn't have happened. So thank you.
0: You're welcome. I'm, I'm <laughs> blushing a little. It's, it, even though I like teach you guys to accept compliments, I'm like, I hate it. Stop. Yeah, it's not <laughs> easy. I get it. <laughs> but thank you. And I value our partnership. That's I mean, you're a clinician too. We, I think you and I should have chatted a little bit about this before it. It's the partnership. Like you can do your, your work by yourself. I couldn't do my work by myself. We were a team and that meant a lot to me. So I appreciate yeah. you sharing your story. Would you like to share a bit about your private practice or where people can find you?
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, I'm happy to do that. So I work, my private practice is called Connections Speech Pathology. It's in Southeastern Pennsylvania. So the greater Philadelphia area, I work with individuals with complex communication needs. So I specialize in augmentative and alternative communication, which is using technology to support communication skills. Um, so if anybody would like to find me, it's my handle on Facebook is Connection Speech Pathology. Um, and the website is www.connectionspeechpathology.com. So if you have any questions about your child's speech and language development, I'd be happy to help.
0: Nicole, I'm going to put that in show notes. Um, yeah, thank you. I think that would be wonderful if any of you out there, I can speak to Nicole's warmth and her critical thinking and her problem solving. If you are personally aligned with her her spirit and her energy, you would probably love her as a mother, So <laughs> thank you, Melissa. Thanks so much for your time. Um, I guess I'll see you around our Facebook group and hear yeah. how you're doing, but it was really good to have some time together today. Thank you. Nicole. Talk to you soon. <laughs> Bye know what's stuck in my head now? Do you? 1-894 Jenny. Or would it be 1-822 Jenny? This now needs a content warning because I decided to sing the Jenny Craig jingle. My bad. <laughs> this is such a fun conversation. I really like Nicole's uh, sense of humor and her perspective. And I hope that she got You feeling seen and heard because her story is like so many other people's stories because the media is the backdrop of the culture. It reflects the culture. And so if you're like, oh yeah, I remember seeing that advertisement as a kid that made me start to question my body or compare myself. Remember our mothers, aunties, teachers, anyone who reinforced generational diet trauma in you was also seeing that stuff. So it really was such a, I I don't always know where these conversations are going to go, but it was so helpful to remember. Sure, there are individual relationship dynamics. I talk about it on my page all the time in my bananas reels with all my wigs. But there's also a backdrop of the media and learning how to process that experience and say, okay, that's why I think the way I think, and move out of like a rumination stage. Oh, God, I'm so angry. Hold space for that. But how do we get out of that ruminating, angry space into the space that says, you know what? That happened. Here's how it impacted me. It wasn't okay. And here's what I'm going to do next. That's really the, the joy and the power of Nicole's story. She makes it look easy. But as you can see, there was a whole practice behind it. I want you to feel inspired by that. You will not snap your fingers and be rid of a lifetime of generational diet trauma overnight. Though I wish it were possible That's not likely the story. So anyone you see who is making you feel inspired or excited or you want to be able to do the things they're doing um, around food or body image, remember it's a practice. A couple ways I'm going to invite you to do that today. One, if you haven't yet, you're going to go get my free guide. There are supports in there to help you break down what ever is important to you in intuitive eating down small, I think it's a perfect pairing with the podcast. Because as you learn little ideas and nuggets, you can implement them in your life. You don't need to just wait um, or say, oh, this is a huge big thing and and put it off till later. You can actually start now. So my free guide is one way. I want to invite you to get started and get inspired. And if you're feeling like, "Mm, yeah, I'm not a guide person. I'm not a DIY person. I'm a verbal processor. You could always head over to No More Guilt on Instagram. At my link in bio, you can find the application for my one-to-one coaching program. I'd love to work with you. I cannot tell you what it means to me to get to know my clients, as you can tell. I want to hear your story. I want to support you. I want to help you. You are worth that. Whatever you do, just get started. Be thinking a little bit about Nicole's story and what maybe you can take away from it. Until next time, be good to your good body. Oh, and one more thing. Be sure to review this podcast. It helps me immensely. I spend a couple hours a week creating these episodes (laughs) and editing them and promoting them. And it would mean the world to me if you could help this message get found by other women like you who just want to live their lives without food guilt. Okay. So if you're feeling super generous, rate five stars, or maybe even share an episode, your favorite episode with a friend, spread the word, just like Nicole did with her friends. I think we can change the culture. Okay, bye for real.